0: Okay, we are ready to begin. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. It is Saturday at 9.06. I'm so proud of you all for coming on a Saturday morning. So we are just a little bit behind, but we're good. Make sure that you have coffee and water. Um, How many of you signed up? I hope you did. You grabbed your booklet and you got your name tag and hopefully you put your name in for a drawing. Did you do that? Because we're gonna have our first drawing before our first session. If you forgot to um, put your name in for a drawing, we have nine prizes today. You can do that after the first session. And we just wanna encourage you. um, We're gonna be giving away six books from our resource table. And so Whitney Rushing will be telling us about those. And then we have three sets of earrings handmade by our very own Jessica Libby. So we just wanted to let you all know, make sure that you you put your name in for the drawing today. Um, Let's see, one more thing I wanted to say before we begin, and our worship team is so kind to lead us in worship. Um, I did wanna tell you that throughout the day, please write down any questions that you would wanna ask at the end of the day. We're gonna have an open mic from the floor, or if you're not comfortable with that, submit your questions to me and I will ask Carol and we'll leave them anonymous. But if you have any questions throughout the three sessions that she will be speaking on today, please submit those or feel free to ask those to her. And she has a life testimony and um, just transparency and a love for the word. So she will be answering those at two o'clock today. All right, thank you so much for being here.
1: Good morning. (laughs) Um, Last night I was looking over the first song we're gonna sing and I was reminded of a Psalm that I'd read this week, Psalm 103. So I thought I'd read a little bit of it. Um, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him.
2: we're still kind of getting adjusted up here. Oh, we're so looking forward to just a sweet day today of growing together in the Word, and just it's so special to be together as sisters in Christ for the first time, it feels like, in such a long time. So um, I'm just praying that this will be a really sweet day for us, and part of our burden is to not just have events like this, but also equip you with resources that you can have in your home, so that when you go home today, And in the coming weeks and months, as you are struggling, maybe you're at home and you're wanting to keep working on these things that you've learned today, that you have the the tools in your home to do that. So throughout the retreat today, we're going to highlight about six different resources specifically, um, and those are all going to be part of our giveaway. So we're going to highlight six throughout the day um, in the different sessions. And then back at the table, I saw some of you back there already, um, there's a resource table that has those books on display and we're not selling them per se today but there is a pre-order sheet so if you're interested in um in getting on that list you can pay the church and not tomorrow but the following sunday we will have those books for you so feel free to take advantage of that table it's for you so go back there and like look through the books and have them in your hands tangibly and get a good look at them before um you decide what you want to buy so the first book the first books that we're going to um talk about this morning are specifically books on studying God's Word, Bible study, and I'm really excited about them because they're both brand new. This first one is 10 Words to Live By by Jen Wilkin, and it just came out like I want to say in the last two weeks. So if you've read a book by Jen Wilkin, you just know that she is like a treasure house of knowledge about studying God's Word. Um, it It was actually last year that I read my first book by her, and just it's a tremendous resource. This one specifically is about delighting in and doing what God commands um, from the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. So um, I've never read a book specifically on that has studied the Ten Commandments, but in the very beginning she describes this book and she said, there are good works to be done by the people of God, not out of dread to earn his favor, but out of delight because we already have it. And I think this is going to be a really great study for you. Um, If you've wanted to get a new book by her, this is her very most recent, so... Feel free to go back to that table and check it out. And the second book um, that we're going to highlight right now is called The Well-Watered Woman by Gretchen Saffels. If you're familiar with this title, um, you maybe have come across her ministry. She has an online women's ministry with the same name that has lots of books and resources and like Bible study cards and things like that. Um, But her first chapter title is I'm not okay. Is that okay? And I love that because I think we can all relate to that feeling of inadequacy when we come to God's word sometimes, just feeling like we should have maybe had it all together by now to study the Bible and to just learn from it. If you're feeling like your spiritual walk with the Lord is just dry and barren, um, that's what this book is for, to just understand just the refreshing goodness of the words of God in our lives and how that can change us. So it's a beautiful book. Feel free to go back there at the table and look through it. And like I said, there is a sheet out there. So if you'd like to order a book through the church, you can get your name on the list.
3: And we'd like to give away each of these books to two of you. Well, one to one and one to the other um, this morning. <laughs> I've dumped all the names into one big bucket. There is another um, bowl out there. So if you didn't get your name in it already, um before the next session, you can put your name in that one, and I will add it back into this one, so they are all there. Um, So the first one for the Jen Wilkin book, 10 Words to Live By, we would love to give to Debbie Foltz. (laughs) Um, And then the second one, The Well-Watered Woman, For Meredith Jesus. And we'll be giving away three pairs of earrings and four more books, so you still have a chance.
1: Okay, for our next song, let's go ahead and stand as we sing. Christ, our hope in life and death.
0: seated. I want to introduce to you our speaker for today. Her name is Carol Trahan. She's been a friend of mine since 1995. Maybe we weren't friends then. I was 18. I was um, a freshman at Northland Baptist Bible College and someone pointed Carol out in the dining hall and said this lady's husband just took his life. She has two small children and she just had an infant, and Northland was hiring her to become a teacher. So from 1995 to 2011, Carol's life began touching many lives. I know I'm crying, with the word of God and a powerful testimony, the word of her testimony. So during our college years, Brent and I, with another couple, would go over and watch her kids, which later on in 2009, would um, become the house that we would purchase from Carol. And we would live there and raise our kids there for four years. Um, But I do remember painting our new bedroom and there was a little piece of paper in the corner, in a floor vent and I picked it out and it was a four by six card with Psalm 63 on it. And I knew Carol well enough where she would be sustained by the word And memorizing the scripture as she could not sleep many nights. And I know that you will hear that from her today her love for the word and for other people. So thank you, Carol, for being here.
4: Good morning. Now, the key is to keep this water here where it doesn't go flying. We're going to try. So, all right. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? All right, ladies. Well, like I said, I was, um, I've known the Belford, several people. I had the privilege of being at Northland for many, many years. Um, I'm going to take my watch off so I can stay on track here. So let's go ahead and uh, open in prayer. Precious Father, we come before you and recognize that you are very great, you are clothed with majesty and power lord you are mighty and i know that apart from you nothing will happen and so i i recognize unless you work unless you speak and use your word father that this will all be in vain and so i'm asking you sweet lord to show yourself strong And, Father, that uh, you would magnify and exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. How thankful, Lord, I am for such a wonderful Savior. And, Lord, I'm thankful, and I know anybody in here who has trusted you is thankful that you have rescued us from sin. And so, Father, I know that I need you. I have no ability to speak, or to do anything without you. So would you work? Lord, may they see only Christ high and lifted up. Spirit of God, I pray that you would convict, that you would encourage. And Father, may we, at the end of this day, love you far more. You are so good, so mighty. You have said to taste and see that you are good. Blessed is the man who trusts in you. And so Father, I I come before you and ask that you would be lifted up on high. And I, I love you and treasure you and appreciate all that you have done and that you will do. So I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I do walk around a lot in this first session I want to share about resting in the character of God. So As we draw our minds to the scripture in Jeremiah 9, I'll be using a lot of scripture that isn't listed there. The scripture, God says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, verse 23, neither let the mighty man glory or boast in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories or boasts glory in this, that he understands and knows me, speaking of the Lord, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness righteousness in the earth. Why, as you can see here, must we have a right view of God? And you'll see that I wrote down, your view of God shapes your life. What you believe about God is going to determine how you view things and how you respond to things. And I will never forget... After I had received the news that my husband had ended his life, he had confessed to some very serious immoral sin, where he was facing up to 40 years in prison, and I had just found this out. I mean, on October 2nd, I had what was norm, what would be considered a normal life. On October 3rd, my husband was confronted with some sin uh, that he had committed. It took several days before he confessed, but in 11, by October 11th. My husband had ended his life, and at that time I had a seven-year-old and a five-year-old and was nine weeks pregnant with our third child. And I will never forget, as I was standing there and I had received that news, that I, I, I was overwhelmed. I said, Lord, I don't even know what to think. I mean, the grief, the, the, I can't even describe the pain. But it's like the Lord spoke to my heart through his word, and as as my gaze lifted, and the Lord gave me Isaiah 40, lift up your eyes on high, and behold who has created these things. He brings out their host by number. He calls them all by names, by the greatness of his might, and that he is strong in power, not one fails. How can you say, O Jacob, And how can you speak, O Israel, that my way is hidden from the Lord, my just cause has passed over from him? Have you not known, have you not heard that the Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not faint, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, And the young men shall fall, but those who wait upon the Lord, and we know this, will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles, they will run and not be weary, and they will walk and not faint. And I remember saying, Lord, I do not understand any of this, but I love you, you are great, and I'm going to trust you. And then God began to give me more scripture from 2 Chronicles 20 when King Jehoshaphat is facing a great multitude and he says, Lord, are you not God in heaven and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the earth and in your hand is there not power and might so that none is able to stand against you. He says, Lord, we have no might against this great company. Neither do we know what to do but our eyes are upon you. And as I'm standing there and I'm saying, Lord, Lord, You are a mighty and a great God. And then the Lord began to give me more scripture, and as I was walking up to tell my children, crying, in the midst of it, overwhelmed, I said, Lord, hear my cry, attend to my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I call unto you, and my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. And God again began to give me more and more scripture. And I am, I'm sitting now and thinking, how am I going to raise three children alone, especially when they have been through and experienced what they have experienced? And I'm, I, how am I going to teach them to forgive? How, how am I going to do this? And I remember sitting there, extremely discouraged, and saying, there's no chance. I can't, I can't do this. Just going from waves of, of trust to being overwhelmed. And as I'm, I'm sitting there trying to think of it, as, as my children now have been told, and, and basically have no job, no income, no, no way of providing for myself at that point, And I'm sitting there, and again God begins to bring his scripture to mind, Romans 8. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died, Yea, who was risen, who is also at the right hand of God, who makes intercession from us for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And I thought, who shall separate Shall tribulation or distress or nakedness or famine or peril or sword? And he says, We we are like sheep for the slaughter. We've been killed all the day long. He says, But in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And then as I sat there, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And at that point, I remember saying, Lord, our lives are devastated, but they're not destroyed. And I began to realize, Lord, I need to make sure daily that I have an exalted view of you. And so that's our starting point here, is understanding who is this Lord that we are talking about. You know, a lot of us, I don't know if you've grown up in a Christian home, I did not, I was saved, as you can read, uh, when I was in my 20s, out of a life of immorality and the occult, and um, a very empty, messed up life, and God rescued me, I've never gotten over that. But as I have have been saved now for many years and in raising my children, I recognize that I have to have a right view of God because if I don't, if I put my feelings and my circumstances up here and I base everything upon what I'm feeling or thinking or my circumstances, then this is what happens. Basically, I will start to become very discouraged. I will start to doubt. I will start to question. And the next thing I know, I'm down to quote Anne Shirley in the depths of despair. And I had to say, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. As a science teacher, I teach chemistry. They say, why do you teach chemistry? I don't know, okay? <laughs> when I was training for biochemistry to become a doctor, that was before I was a Christian and then God saved me, I used to think, what am I doing? Do I have rocks in my brain that I'm, I'm doing this stuff? I actually love it, I really do. Um, and I'm teaching this to my students in a Christian school. I begin with... Job, the the last four chapters, and I said, what did God say to Job after he'd been through so many horrible things? And I don't think any of us could even relate to that. I can't imagine 10 caskets in front of me. I really can't. And, And of course, we know God never explained and said, Job, I'm really sorry, but what does he do? He says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? So God gives Job a very elaborate science lesson. That's earth science, and then I, I talked to. I says then he talks about astronomy, and this is you know the the different uh, constellations, and then w- in which way is light part of this? I so said that's physics, and do you understand how the snow functions? And I said that's oh uh, excuse me, that's weather, and you know how uh, crystals form. I mean we I go through that. and I says what's the point? He says at the end of that, Job says this. He says you know you ask me, who is he that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? He says, I have uttered that which I understood not, things too wonderful for me. He says, you know, I'm going to put my hand on my mouth. He says, I've heard of you by the hearing of the year, but now my eye has seen you and I repent in dust and ashes. So God wanted job to understand how great he is and that's what as we begin i said lord i must i must continually counsel my heart with your truth on who you are because if i don't have a right view of you there is no way i'm going to survive in being a single mom in raising these children in the many challenges that my kids have had and i you know i'll share a little bit through this but the first thing that I have had to learn is that if I am going to not only survive but be more than a conqueror, I must understand the incredible greatness of my God. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, wisdom and strength, honor and glory and blessing. Oh, the depths of the riches, of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who's been his counselor? Who's given to him and it will be recompensed unto him again? Of him, to him, and through him are all things to whom be glory. So I said, Lord, you are incredibly amazing. So uh, I'm continually having to counsel my heart with the truth of who is the Lord? How great is my God! that he is so mighty, so high and lifted up, he inhabits eternity, and yet miracle of miracles, he loves you and I with an everlasting love. You say, it doesn't feel like love. And we'll we'll get to that in just a few minutes about how the enemy attempts to attack us in that way. But ladies, I go back to Calvary. Whenever I am tempted to question God's love, I says, when I consider that the king and kings and lord of lords who spoke this universe into existence and in whom all things consist became a man, the scripture says, that we're to have this mind, who being in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped after, but humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. And I think this King of kings and Lord of lords was not only physically tortured and beaten, and I can't even imagine, and then took the sins of the world. And I think, Lord, you could have said one word and wiped us out. You could have called 12 legions of angels, but you didn't. I says, Lord, Calvary love leaves no room for self-pity. Whenever I'm tempted to question the love of God, I ask myself this question, does God the Father love his son? How would you answer that? Did he spare him some from suffering? The greatest pain and suffering ever experienced was where the greatest love was ever shown because God sent His only begotten Son into the world for you and I. And when I step back and get a right view of God, I can see things differently. You say, Have I mastered that? Ladies, I think I'm in K 4. Okay, I'm still asking God to work, to change, to teach me. So I have to go back and remember who is my Lord. And then in Psalm 100 verse 3, I have to recognize my place. And I love this verse. We know it. okay? Know you not that the Lord, what? He is God. Elohim, He is Jehovah, the eternal I am, the everlasting God, the Creator. He is the Almighty, He is El Shaddai. He is the God who provides all the different, the Most High, the names of God. And then I say, He is God, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture, okay? He's We are created. He is creator, we are the created. If you make something, ladies, All right? Do you have the ability and the right, if you have formed it and made it, do you have the ability to determine what you want to do with it? Okay? If you've created it, you've put it together, and you, of course, we can't do this, but he breathed into us the breath of life. Who are we as the clay to say, I don't like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay? So I say, Lord, help me to recognize who you are and help me to remember who I am. And then Psalm 131, let's turn there for a moment, and then we're going to end with 1 Peter. But in resting in God's character. And you can see, I love Elizabeth Elliot's quote. A willing acceptance of all that God assigns and a glad surrender of all I am and have constitute the key to a quiet heart. Now that's a lot of words, but think about that. A willing acceptance of all that God assigns. There are many assignments I've given my students and guess what, they don't like them. I teach advanced placement psychology, and I teach chemistry this year before I officially fully retire. And they're like, Mrs. Tran, we, we, don't, we don't like this, this assignment. And I said, I didn't ask you if you liked it. <laughs> I said, I love you dearly, but you need this. Well, I, I don't think I need this assignment. I said, well, let's remember something. You're the students, and God has placed me by his grace and his enabling as your teacher. And I believe this is a good assignment for you. And of course, many times, <laughs> of course, we never do that, right? We never mumble at, at when the Lord gives us an assignment. And, but afterwards, years later, I've gotten some letters or notes, or, and of course now it's Facebook and, and everything, and they're like, you know, you sure were brutal. Or, well, they didn't say brutal. They said, you were awfully hard on us, but it has helped. And they would thank, and they would say, it's helped me now, later, when I was in college. In Psalm 131, David, of course, Lord, my heart is not haughty or proud or arrogant. Okay? He says, Nor are my eyes lofty. Okay, and again, that's the idea of, you know, I've got this all figured out. Neither do I concern. Myself (coughs) with things or with great matters, nor with things too profound or difficult for me. You see, what is he saying here? He says, "You know, I am not going to be able to figure a lot of things out, Lord." Okay, and again, Master Lord, you are God. My heart's not haughty, my eyes aren't lofty. I'm not going to concern myself with with great matters, nor with things too profound or difficult for me. In other words, ladies, I, I look at that passage and I say, "Lord, you are God. I am never going to be able to connect all the dots." I don't know if any of you remember. Um, I don't even know if they still have those coloring books and those things where you you would have to connect the dots and then you'd say, "Oh, it's a tiger," or you know what I'm saying? Or, or am I really dating myself? Okay. Uh, you know, I, I looked at that picture that you had up. As if that was about 20 years ago. <laughs> it don't quite look like that anymore. But you know. Ladies, when it comes to the ways and the works of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out, we're never going to connect those dots. There are things we're never going to be able to figure out. Sometimes people would ask me, and they would say, do you understand why your husband did the things that he did and why he chose to end his life? I says, I don't. They said, well, do you ever blame yourself? Many times. I've been through the if-onlys and the what-ifs. You know, in in the struggles that that some of my children have had, when my son was in Afghanistan and was in combat situation, and then he went AWOL, and he was missing, and I didn't know if my boy was dead or alive for quite a while. And I remember when the commander phoned me and said, you know, your son's gone AWOL. Do you know where he is? No clue. And I remember sitting down, and I'm going to be very transparent with you, and I said, Lord, if, if my boy is dead or if he ends his life, I says, take me home. I, I can't do it anymore. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. I, I was at a very low point. And my little girl at that point comes next to me. I was at Northland, and she puts her arm around me, and she says, Mommy, are you okay? I says, no. And I said, Lord, I'm asking you, You promised to be a father and a helper and a defender of the fatherless. I said, Lord, fight for me. Don't destroy my boy. Because I knew my boy was lost. Because he had been, he was struggling so much with what had happened and and growing up without a dad. And I'm not going to go into all of the details. And it wasn't, I don't think it was even five minutes and the phone rang and it was the commander. He says, we've got your son. And God stepped in and, I, and you know, again, do I have the answers as to why and why it's still a struggle? I don't. And people have said, well, what do you think God's going to do? I says, I don't know what God's going to do, but I know this, he's going to do what's right. And I, I had to say, you know, if my God can, can create this universe and can hold it all together and gave his son for me, I have a choice to become bitter or to trust and I'm going to choose by his grace to trust because he is God, and I'm not going to try and figure it out. I'm not going to try and connect those dots. He goes on, verse 2, surely I have calmed and quieted my soul. Now that's an interesting statement. Like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord, it's much like Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, where the psalmist is going through his his struggles and he's agonizing and he's saying, you know, all your waves and your billows have gone over me. His heart pants for the water bricks, My pa- my soul pants for you, O oh God. My, you know, my soul thirsts for you. When am I gonna st- and and stand before God? And then then he says, Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. What's He doing? He's counseling His heart. In psychology, I teach how uh, all of the disorders that are out there, and my job, because I have to teach in a college-based um, secular textbook, is to bring truth to bear, to bring scripture in. And I says, what does God tell us to do in these situations? Well, they counseled their heart, and he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And then he goes back into the lament, and then he says, but the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my God, my prayer unto the God of my life. So David is saying, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child. Well, a weaned child is one who has learned that the mother is going to provide. In other words, when the child has been to the breast, and I'm going to use that term because, again, the breast was the nourishment, where the child would receive closeness, comfort, nourishment, and the child over time has learned, my needs are going to be met. I'm going to be taken care of. But when the mother weans her child, that can be very uncomfortable for that baby. It's like, well, I don't want this other stuff. I want what I'm used to. And of course, we're talking about a, a baby, but I know when my children were weaned, I mean, there was a, they didn't like some of this. It was uncomfortable for them. And the idea I see here is that God sometimes will wean us from that which is comfortable. And we're now in a situation where, wait a minute. I'm not used to this. I'm used to, this is what I like. This is my my comfort zone. But if I've learned that I'm always going to be cared for and provided for, then even though it's different and it may not be what I'm used to, God is still working. When God weans us, from that which we are comfortable for, or as I tell my science students, disturbs your equilibrium, okay, your status quo, then I've got to choose, am I going to trust, or am I going to fret? Am I going to recognize that God is going to meet those needs, the Lord is going to show himself strong, and this is a time for me to trust, or am I going to throw a fit? And, and insist on my own way. I don't like this. I no. We're not going to do this. I'm not. I'm not doing this. I'm. I'm no. Then I'm only going to be do as Elizabeth Elliot says. Whenever I have balked, the quietness goes. Now I wish I could say I do that all the time. But still, when God brings those difficulties into my life, oh, you know. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I remember when I had just dropped my kids off, and um, on the bus to go to school. And as I was walking back, and when you live at Northland, ice is a reality. And as I was walking back, I I slipped on the ice, fell backwards, and slammed the back of my head against the ground. And as I did that, I remember thinking, was this necessary? (laughs) 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 Could could there have been another way? October of last year, I'm coming home from teaching and I go out to get my trash can and I don't realize the curb is there and I fall. I'm by myself and I break both my ankles. And as I'm on the ground, this time I didn't say was this necessary. I says, well, what do I do now? And I recognized, because again of the training that I have had, that I was going into shock, I recognized there was nobody there. So I, I'm sitting here thinking, what do I do now? And, and I can remember my father, a World War II veteran, saying, get up, you can do this. I mean, that man, he had no sympathy for, but Dad, it hurts. Get up. Yes, sir. He was a Marine. He was a Navy man, you know, World War II. And so I'm sitting here, and I don't know how, but somehow by God's grace, I got up into the house. I don't even know how. And at that point, I knew I couldn't move. I couldn't get a hold of my children. And so I'm like, okay. And now the pain's getting pretty intense. But again, I'm saying, Lord, help, 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 help. What do I do now? And I, rec- I remember that my pastor's daughter, because I just moved into a new home, lived two blocks away. I called her, and she said, I'm on my way. And her husband was an orthopedic physician, and he came with her. And again, was that uncomfortable? Yes. But I've learned, okay, Lord, you, every circumstance is divinely prepared or divinely permitted. How am I going to respond? And I have to go back and rehearse the truths of God. And that's what he's saying here. Understand, you know, I choose to respond with that childlike simplicity and trust. Lord, I'm not going to try and figure this out. I'm not going to, by your grace, I'm not going to say, but why? sometimes I still do. I'm not going to try and say, okay, well, this is why God did this, and this is why God is judging me. I don't know unless I pray and say, Lord, search me and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. But I am going to calm and quiet my soul, knowing that my heavenly Father knows, and his way is perfect, And I'm going to stand there and say, okay, Lord, I will publish the name of the Lord. I will ascribe greatness to my God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, and all his ways are justice. That's Deuteronomy, I believe, chapter 32. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and upright is he. So, Lord, help me to respond with that simplicity in saying, Lord, help me. And then I go back, and again, ladies, as I'm responding with that childlike simplicity and trust, I remember again what the psalmist said in Psalm 42. The Lord will command his loving kindness, that's his steadfast love in the morning. Every morning, and in the night. The nights are hardest. When you're a widow, when you're struggling, for me, is that true with all of you? The nights are the hardest sometimes when you're going through a trial. Does your mind race, okay, and you can't turn it off? In the night, his song will be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. I said, Lord, what is that song? And then I remembered, and God brought me to Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks unto the Lord and to give praise to your name, O Most High, to show forth your loving kindness in the daytime and your faithfulness every night. It's a song of his faithfulness. Lord, help me to understand who you are. Who is the Lord? And to know who I am. I am your sheep. I am sheep dumb. I need wisdom. I need counsel. I need you to lead me. I don't understand. I don't know the right way. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. I said, Lord, help me. I am the sheep. You are the creator. Father, help me to respond and not to try and figure it out, but with simplicity that as you've provided for me, you will continue to. Now let's go over to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. And again, these are things, ladies, that I have to do on a regular basis. Um, I'm still learning all the time. I said, Lord, why do, you, why do you put up with me? I can't answer that. I'm just thankful he does. I believe Sarah shared it. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Aren't you thankful? As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy, his unfailing steadfast love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions. He remembers your frame, he knows your dust. So 1 Peter chapter 5, and I said, Lord, how do I do this every single day? Verse 6. Well, he first tells us in verse 5 that we are to, that he resists the proud. Okay? A proud person is that one who is arrogant, whose eyes are lofty, who is trying to concern themselves with things too difficult. They're trying to figure it all out. God resists the proud, stiff arms, but gives grace, favor, Uh, supernatural ability to endure to the humble. Therefore, verse 6, humble yourselves, you choose, under what? The mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. What do I see with that? Well, first of all, right view of God. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humble means this. Put yourself down under like this, okay? Line up and say, Lord, oh, I don't I I'm struggling. I don't want this. This is killing me. And I'm in anguish. You say, can I be honest with the Lord? Scripture says, in God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge. But in that pouring out my heart, I am not going to be angry. Okay, I'm going to come to him humbly and say, Lord, uh, it's hurt so bad, I don't know if I'm going to survive this pain. Help me to trust you. Help me to humble myself. In December of 2019, on Christmas Day, my mother died, and I didn't even know about it. Because six years before that, one of my relatives had turned my mother's heart against her entire family, against me, her only surviving daughter, my sister ended her life, and against those who were friends, I mean, completely turned her heart against, and now my mother, who I'd had a a very good relationship with, I love my mom and dad, and now my mother hates me. Won't, believes I've stolen from her, believes that I've lied to her, and believes that I'm, I'm bad. And for six years, we tried lawyers, we tried social services. This is in California. <laughs> Nothing. God closed every door. We made a last attempt, uh, my nephew and I. Um, this is my, the, the other relative was my niece, her brother, to see my mother and again, Hostility, and I said, "I said, Lord, can you at least let me see my mom one more time before she dies? Because, to the best of my knowledge, ladies, my mother does not did not know the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. God didn't chose not to answer that prayer, at least in the way that I wanted it answered. So I didn't find out until Christmas, or that was Christmas Day. I did not find out until until December 31st because." my relative's attempt was to have my mother uh, cremated and and basically no obituary, no burial, no nothing, and then she would just take everything. And, you know, we don't know any of the details except that a very wise funeral director stepped in and said, "Um, you're telling me there's no children, you're telling me that you know, she's saying, I, I, I don't, I don't understand, how can this happen? She says, you know, I need legal documentation. Well, needless to say, God intervened. And when I got out there to California, I found out that had I not intervened and had I not, God not intervened, excuse me, that they would have disposed of my mother as abandoned. And I was angry. And after that was a very year a year long which just ended painful, agonizing with, a lot, with hostility and I don't know how many times I said Lord I, I, don't want, I don't want to do this anymore and you know and there was such anger and then God broke my heart from my relatives and said have you forgotten how sinful you are have you forgotten that I have saved you. And I said, oh, Lord, you see, when people, you say, why do people do things like that? Because we are sinful people and lost people act like lost people. They need Jesus Christ. Before I was saved, I thought, you know what? I would have done the same thing if I was lost. Said, Lord, please help me to see these people as you see them, and God broke my heart and I began to pray for the salvation and I had to say, Lord, humble me and I had to humble myself and it went a long time and it was painful and there was hostility and I didn't, I didn't like it. And then in verse seven, God says what? Casting how much of your care? What does it say? Okay, you sure it's not just some? casting, like throwing a blanket on a donkey, all your care upon him, why? He cares for me. And I said, Lord, I'm struggling with this. Here's that anger again. I, I, oh, I'm struggling, Father, help me. Casting that care upon him. Okay, Lord, I'm going to humble myself, and then I get this news. Oh, it's, you know, it's gonna, if it goes to court, it's going to be really ugly. Ooh, humble yourself. Lord, you are sovereign. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. None can stay his hand or stand him. What are you doing? Humble yourself, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Why? Because, verse Eight. Be sober, serious, be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. Understand something ladies, Satan wants to destroy your confidence in the character of God. And he is ruthless and he will use whatever means... He can, and of course, it's under the sovereign hand of God, but he wants to destroy your confidence in God's character, and you'll find yourself thinking, you know, if God was good, this wouldn't have happened. If God loved me, I wouldn't treat somebody that I love this way. Well, that's because we don't understand the biblical view of love, which permits pain and suffering, and we live in a broken world. And, well, I shouldn't have to go through that. Well, what
5: about him? <laughs>
4: You know, much like uh, Peter. You know, what about John? If it's my will that, that he lives, what is that to you? Follow me. If I don't humble myself, cast all my care, then the enemy is going to start to destroy my confidence in the character of God. And if he can do that, then what happens to the intimacy of my walk? See, he came to kill, destroy, and to steal. So he's going to try and kill the intimacy of your walk with God. He can't touch your salvation if you're God's child. But if he can kill the intimacy of your walk, because if I start to doubt God's goodness, question, am I going to be intimate with the Lord if I start to question his kindness and his goodness? Uh Uh-uh. You're not going to be intimate with somebody. You're not going to cry out to someone you don't trust. And if the enemy can, can try and destroy your confidence in God's character and kill the Im- intimacy of your walk, then your joy is gone, and he's going to steal that. He walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The wounded, the weak, those who are straying. Okay, watch how a lion devours. What does he say? Whom resist, how? Steadfast in the faith. How do I resist him? No, I will not accept that. My God is good. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is is tried. Trust in the Lord. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord Jehovah for in the Lord Jehovah's everlasting strength. Be still and know that he is God. God is my refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. I resist him. Otherwise, you're going down that path of questioning, wanting to quit, wanting to give up. And then he goes on, he says, you're not alone. The same sufferings are experienced by your brethren. And then verse 10, and I love this. This is where we're going we're to end. The God of all grace, the God of peace, the God of hope, the God of all comfort, the God of all grace, favor, the God of all grace, who has called us unto what? His eternal glory. Perspective, perspective, perspective. This isn't all there is. Okay, I've re- I don't have to listen to and many of you don't know who I'm talking about. Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. I've read the book of Revelation, okay? If you are God's child, we win. He will wipe away every tear from your eye. He will stop all sorrow, all pain, all suffering, okay? Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all grace who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Ah, after you have suffered, make you perfect. Establish you, strengthen you, settle you. You see, that's what I have to live every day. Who is my God? How great is my God? How mighty, how holy, how righteous, how wonderful. What's my place? He is God, I am not. Respond with that childlike simplicity and trust. Humble myself under his mighty hand. Cast all my care. Resist the enemy. Don't question God's goodness, his sovereignty, his love, his kindness, his character. I'm not alone in this. God has the body of Christ. Others are suffering. It's not just me and the God of all grace who's called me unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you've suffered, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And with that, ladies, I can rest. In the character of God, don't fret. Don't fret. Trust, delight, commit, rest, Psalm 37, and wait. Now, as we finish and we're done here, I went five minutes over. We started five minutes late. Is that okay, boss? Okay. As we pray, ladies, I know you're struggling. I know I, I'm still struggling. There's battles every day. But this is something, as I've learned to love his word, I let God's word permeate and saturate, and as I do that, I define meditation as as I dwell on God's word until it changes me. I literally dwell and meditate on it until it changes me. As that happens, I go from that fretting child, I don't like this, give me back this, to resting. So I pray as you meet in your small groups, here and we'll close in prayer that you will the Lord will help you to learn to rest in his character as we continue later on understanding and receiving his peace and responding so let's close in prayer Father thank you that you are so patient with us so great and mighty thank you Lord that you are so long-suffering lord that you have chosen to love us with an everlasting love that you are our refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms lord i just am so thankful that you never change the world changes but you don't so i pray that you'd comfort and encourage and strengthen these ladies help them to know you are god and how much you love them Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the church, the body of Christ. And thank you, Father, for not abandoning us when we sinned against you. What a a precious Lord you are. So, Father, work in our hearts and work in every life, and may we leave more in love with you and more in awe of who you are. We ask in the precious, holy, and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. I apologize for getting weepy-eyed. This Get out of the way.
0: At the beginning, she said, your view of God shapes your life. And I'm reminded of uh, Matt Olson at Northland. He would often quote A.W. Tozers, quote that was our favorite quote he said your view of god is the most important thing about you because it affects every area of your life when you falter it's because one of two things one there is something about your god that you don't know or two there's something about your god that you're refusing to believe so today in our small groups and we're going to explain that in just a minute we want you to discuss three two or three questions whatever time allows for, and to break up in small groups of prayer. But it has to do with the character of God and how that affects the way you live. So um, do we have a slide for that? Thank you so much. Um, So if you will take your booklet, and I wrote one through five on the back of your booklet, which by the way, these booklets were made by Michelle Bechtel, where's she at? There she is. She did such a good job with these booklets. We were just able to follow through. Thank you so much for the time that you spent on these. But on the back, you will see a number, one through five. And what I would like you to do is match your number to the location. Wonderful. So if you are number one, you will be in the auditorium in the front. We will have two leaders up here, Jessica Libby and Whitney Rushing, and they will actually divide you into two groups up here. If you are group number, I need my glasses, (laughs) number two, um, you'll be in the auditorium in the back, and that is going to be led by Martha Davey and Melanie Seeloff, right here, okay? If you are group number three, you are in the parlor, which is actually the left side of the lobby. Um, Well, I'm sorry, you're in the lobby, and that will be led by Terry Kent and Hannah Cooper so you'll be in the parlor and in the lobby. If you're group four, you are in the family room right off the lobby here, and that will be led by Sarah Kilcup and Janelle Weaver. And then if you're group number five, you are in the chapel and we have two groups in there and they are led by Gloria Schrader and Rebecca Wood. What I would ask you to do is try to be back here by 10.50, Is that right? Yes, by 1050. Um, We have coffee. We still have water. If you are thinking about questions that you want to ask Carol and you